athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Once again, thank you for joining me on another edition of Box to Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. We are weeks away from the beginning of camps for the college football season, and I'm super excited. Listen, thank you to those that joined us as a matter of fact, in Durham at Sticks and Vines for the sixth Box to Row countdown to kickoff. We had an absolutely wonderful time. Um, listen, we had Shaw head football coach Adrian Jones joined us. North Carolina Central head football coach Trey Oliver also joined us. We also had Fayetteville State head football coach Richard Hayes, the defending champs. And you'll hear from Richard Hayes a little bit later on in the program North Carolina A&T head football coach Vincent Brown joined us uh, at Sticks and Vines in Durham for the countdown to kickoff Winston-Salem State head football coach Robert Massey joined us on the program uh, Marcus Hilliard the head football coach at Elizabeth City State joined us Maurice Flowers the head football coach at Johnson C. Smith also joined us and Sean Gilbert the head football coach at Livingstone joined us on the program big shots out to all of those that came out to sticks and vines we had a lot of people it was i'm not going to say the place was packed uh but there were it, it was nice in there thank you to sticks and vines who was able to pivot uh for with us within about a week's notice because we had another venue that uh pulled out and sticks and vines came in so we're very thankful to sticks and vines uh we are thankful to Harlem Beer Distribution, North Carolina. We are thankful to Greater Raleigh Sports Alliance for being able to help us to make that happen. All of those that came out had all of their different gear on. As a matter of fact, had a young lady, uh, one of the first, we, we started at 5 o'clock. Um, we had a young lady that came in about 4.15 or 4.20, and she said, hey, heard about the event. I'm just here to, wasn't necessarily supporting a school per se. She said, I'm just here because it's HBCU. And this is the thing. So with the countdown to kick off, it provides an opportunity. And again, we're, we're listen, we're going to look to expand this thing uh, much bigger uh, on next year and in years to come, because what it provides, it provides an opportunity for the public fans, et cetera, to see these coaches up close and Personal. Now, these coaches, especially the ones in the CIAA, have an absolute great relationship. They have great rapport. Uh, but remember, even if you look at a guy 
uh, like a Trey Oliver. His roots go back to the CIAA when he was a when he was a football player, student athlete uh, at North Carolina Central. So his so. All of these guys know each other from the coaching ranks. And then, of course, the CIAA. We had three conferences that were represented, the CIAA, the MEAC, and now the CAA with North Carolina A&T joining uh, the CAA. So it was a great time. Thank you to those that came out. And if you missed it and you want to watch the countdown to kickoff, you can do that on the Box to Row YouTube page. Listen, I want to set the table today because we've got a lot to get to. Um, the CIAA had its media day on Thursday in Salem, Virginia. The MEAC had its media day on Friday in Norfolk, Virginia. Had to be had a chance to be uh, in Norfolk, and then the SWAC will have its media day on Tuesday in Birmingham. So I'm looking forward to that, and um, I'm going to head out to that. Uh, as well to the SWAC media day, you know, and and rest in peace to Eric Moore. Those that 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 know HBCU uh, sports know Eric Moore of Onadan. And like I said, you know, even when we talked about Eric Moore extensively last year after his passing, um, Eric or Mister Moore, as we as uh, as I call him, uh, along with Luke Williams. Um, we would of the Black College Sports page. We would make the rounds each and every each and every year. Well, not each and every year, but pretty much every year. And I remember it was two years in a row that the the two of us, the three of us, along with one year Benita Best made the rounds of the with us. She's the editor, sports editor of the Triangle Tribune. She came out to the event as well. Thank you, Benita, for coming out. Um, also, um, but we would make the rounds to all of these media. <coughs> excuse me, media days. Um, so it would start, um, I'm trying to think, it would start, if I'm not mistaken, the week before maybe with the CIAA's media day, it would either be uh, in Petersburg at Virginia State or in Raleigh. It was in Raleigh uh, in the Triangles. One couple of years it was in Winston-Salem, I believe, uh, in Winston-Salem State, as a matter of fact, hosted it before it made its transition to Salem. Then the next week we would do on Tuesday SWAC, Wednesday would be SIAC, and then Friday would be uh, Norfolk, Virginia for the MEAC. Of course, SWAC in Birmingham, uh, SIAC in Atlanta, because I know uh, uh, one year it was on the campus of Clark, Atlanta. I think a couple of years it may have been, but anyway. And then, of course, always in Norfolk. It's been in Norfolk. The MEAC's uh, media day has been in Norfolk for many, many years. So, um, just remember making those rounds. But again, I hadn't been to any of the media days, okay, since 2019, pre-pandemic. Um, didn't go last year, but I'm ready to get back into it, ready to really, really. Because, see, at these media days, it's it's cool. We have the coaches on. We interview them all the time. You hear from them on this program. But it's really cool when you can have the interaction um, and learn some things that maybe you would not have learned in a interview or a one-on-one session and then interacting with some of the other media that are there. Um, the ones that are boots on the ground, like the ones, the media members that cover the respective schools that are beat writers for the respective schools. Um, that's really, really cool. So you get to kind of learn a lot when you go to these media days and a lot of what's really going on. And I'm going to tell you what, I mean, the thing about 
the transfer portal. And, you know, I was thinking about the transfer portal the other day. Um, another w- reason why I'm against the transfer portal. And you're going to hear Trey Oliver speak to this a little bit later on in the program. The, def- the Of course, the head football coach at North Carolina Central, the defending HBCU national champions. You know, I guess I'm just old school, A. B, I was in athletics administration, and I remember how things were back in the day. And that doesn't mean there can't be change, but I think if you're going to have change, you have to regulate change. And to me, there's no regulation per se when you talk about the transfer portal or even if if you're talking about uh, NIL. I mean, I'll give you an example. Um, Howard University released its uh, its new signees to its men's basketball program, um, and there was one one, play, one uh, student athlete that was coming on board that had been to two previous schools. So it's like you can you can have two, three, four schools. You can transfer all over the place, hop around. Um, you know, it, it, it. And I'm going to tell you what this is more dis more of a disadvantage to HBCUs. I think. Now, of course, there are some advantages, but there's more more of a disadvantage in this respect. Um, you can have a guy. Let, let's take A and T for example. A and T had and two two players from A and T, really good football players, the best players on the team. Okay, when you're talking about Basil Tootin, the running back, and then you're talking about Jacob Roberts, the linebacker. Well, both of those guys transferred out of the program, Tootin to Boston College. Roberts, now in all fairness to Roberts, he sort of fell under the old, uh, under the traditional rule, meaning if you graduated, then you have an opportunity to transfer and play right away. Now, you could, you've you always been able to kind of transfer. Um, you, you could play at a school transfer, um, but you'd have to sit out a year if you if you were transferring on, a, on the same level, in other words, FCS to FCS, FBS to FBS, or... Uh, if you were transferring up in this in in this scenario, you know Division Two FCS up to FBS, but now you can play right away without any uh, without any penalty. But Jacob Roberts graduated; he got a degree from Ants because he'd been there since 2019, and then he made the transfer uh, to Boston College. But I think that's a bit of a disadvantage because if you have a guy like that. Not to point him out specifically, but there are other guys like that as well that have transferred um, to various FBS programs. It, it 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 may give the student athlete pause to transfer because they got to sit out a year, get acclimated to the program. I don't know if you. I mean, you can still practice with the team, I believe. And all of those things get acclimated. You can be in the classroom, uh, in, in your studies, and with the respective sport, but. HBCUs are going to lose quite a bit of quite a bit of guys um, that are are really good players to the transfer portal. You've had some guys that have tested the transfer portal, ultimately um, came back uh, as well. Look, look at a guy like an Isaiah Land. I believe Land may have I mean, at least he had some interest from some FBS schools before he he ultimately last year came back uh, to Florida A and M. Now, of course, it's an it, it's a bit of an advantage because, uh, but it's always been an advantage. For HBCUs, um, I think more so now for an HBCU, let's say at the FCS level, if you're not happy at your FCS school, you can transfer to an HBCU at the FCS level. But you've always been able to transfer from FBS to FCS. And we've seen that a whole lot of times where you got a guy that would transfer 
from an FBS school to an HBCU and a specifically an FCS school and would be able to, to really play, uh, to be able to play right away. I mean, it's so many guys I could name. Um, and of course, none of them are coming to mind currently that have done that transferred from a, uh, even a big time FBS program to an HBCU done well, went on, got drafted, played in the league or did well at that specific school. So, um, you know, I, I just think about it. And, and again, you're going to hear from Trey Oliver, the head football coach at North Carolina Central. I asked him about the transfer portal, and you're going to hear his answer. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as Box to Row rolls on. The old renaissance is the new renaissance, standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company, uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. All Weaver Street Markets. Harris Teeter. Food Lion. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, and Barica Soul. Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low, we can't publish them anywhere. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. Call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. 800-303-3398. 800-303-3398. That's 800-303-3398. On last week's From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. WWE on Raw, Kaden Carter. She was part of Shaw's Women's National Basketball Championship team. How does one go from playing ball to being now a professional wrestler? I didn't want a nine to five job. Like, I just don't believe that that's what I was meant for in life. I can't do that. Like, I want to be able to have freedom, make an impact on people's lives because I went through a lot of stuff. There was a lot of stuff at Shaw, there was a lot of stuff in high school that I had to deal with. and. I would love to help other people like, overcome like the obstacles they have to get to where they want in life. From the press box to press row is one of the hottest sports talk shows in the country. Join Donald each week as he takes you on a journey through the world of HBCU sports and pro sports and interviews with top sports and entertainment figures. That's from the press box to press row each week on your favorite station. Listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Box to Box to Box to Row. Welcome back to Box to Row. We're just a couple of weeks away from camp's opening as we are. What, about a month away? About a month away or so. Leave the college football season kicks off on 
August the 26th. So, again, we're, we're right here. Uh, countdown to kickoff was last week for Box to Row in Durham. Again, thank you to those who came out. If you missed it, you can uh, check it out uh, on the Box to Row YouTube page. Um, SWAC Media Day is on Tuesday, so I'm looking forward uh, to being in Birmingham for that. Um, and so it's just a great time um, when you're talking about anticipation for the college football season. So a bit of news, the CAA has changed its name from Coastal, or excuse me, from Colonial Athletic Association to Coastal Athletic Association. Uh, reflect, uh, really reflects its new geo, um, geographic footprint. Um, and, and, you know, the thing about the CAA, of course, which uh, when you're talking about HBCUs, Hampton and now North Carolina A&T uh, are members. But uh, w- when you think about the name change, and you look at you look across the board like you've got. So these are the members. Right. And I'm going to name all the members, those uh, even those that are not football playing institutions. Campbell, which we are literally literally where I live, I should say, is literally seven miles or so away from Campbell. College of Charleston, Delaware, Drexel, Elon. Uh, I mentioned Hampton, of course, Hofstra, Monmouth, A&T, as I mentioned, uh, Wil- uh, University of North Carolina, Wilmington, uh, Northeastern, Stony Brook, Towson, and William and Mary. And you talk about one of the premier, because this was a conference, remember, that had James Madison. And James Madison, um, I think yeah, I think James Madison won at least one FCS national championship, but was in it each and every year, left the colonial, or as it was known, colonial now, coastal or CAA, is still probably better, better going to be known by CAA still, but left that conference to move to 1A, or excuse me, FBS, um, on last year, guess what? At one time, was like ranked 25 in the country. Was undefeated at one time, ranked 25 in the country. Had a really good season first year out in the FBS. So this is a powerful conference. So A&T is really going to have its work cut out for it going into the conference this year, not to mention the way that A&T opens the season. The Thursday, I think it's the 31st of August prior to Labor Day in Birmingham, taking on UAB. That's you're playing up. Then the next week, coming back to Greensboro, but to take on uh, North Carolina Central, the defending HBCU national champs. And then uh, the next couple of games are on the road. So A&T sort of got its work cut out for us. It and then also playing in the CAA, uh, write a conference that each week, the likelihood of you playing one of the best teams in the conference or in the country in FCS is great. Because there are generally six to eight teams from the CAA that are ranked in the top 25 in FCS each and every year. Uh, but Vincent Brown uh, is comes as a CAA guy, has spent the last four or five years as an associate uh, head coach at William uh, and Mary. Uh, and again, you're going to hear from Vincent Brown, the head football coach of North Carolina A&T, a little bit later on in the program. So let me run this by you. The HBCU coaches poll, the HBCU coaches poll was released um, on Wednesday. The HBCU coaches poll was released on Wednesday, the preseason poll, that is. And it was no surprise 
that North Carolina Central uh, is number one, the number one team for the preseason. That wasn't a unanimous selection of the 20 votes. 16, meaning uh, North Carolina Central, received 16 first-place votes. Um, So it was by in no way unanimous, but um, the the Eagles – are going to be very, very tough now, in all fairness. The Eagles have lost a couple of guys to the transfer portal. Um, but anytime you got a kid, the, the defensive back, Baker, comes back, he's really, really good, one of the best players in FCS. And then Davius Richard, the quarterback, um, I mean, you could make an argument. You could make an argument. Uh, and I would I would say, and I, I, not, not only – could you make an argument? I would state that Davius Richard was the best quarterback in all of HBCU football last year, uh, and that includes Shador Sanders. Because when you look at Richard, uh, you know he can do it all. He can throw and he can run. Where Sanders was more was definitely more of a thrower, although he was better running the football this year than he was in previous years. But that guy, meaning Richard, is really, 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 really good. So. Even despite the losses in the transfer portal for North Carolina Central, I mean, you got a guy like a Davius Richard, um, you're you're really saying something. So again, North Carolina Central number one uh, amongst the coaches in the HBCU coaches poll, and you can look at this poll in its entirety uh, on our website at boxtorow.com. By the way, the media poll will be released uh, on next week as well in the the All American team. Uh, the HBCU All-America team in a couple of weeks. Florida A&M was number two, received three first-place votes. Now, this is where I sit with Florida A&M. Got some good players coming back. The thing about the Rattlers, really couldn't get over the hump the last couple of years because of Jackson State. Played Jackson State really, really well that first year going back to 2021. Last year, not so much. FAMU was able to rebound from the whole, you know, players couldn't play because um, they weren't certified as of yet, got through that, um, made a nice run, but did not get the at-large berth to the playoffs. I think a lot of people uh, may have been upset about that, but I, I mean, I didn't I didn't see any path uh, for the Rattlers to even make it to the playoffs, but the Rattlers may not even be talking about that um, this year because the Rattler, and it could be because you can win the SWAC's Eastern Division and and not win the SWAC championship, um, and still, um, well, no, no. If it, it, let me take that back, if you play in the SWAC championship game, you can't be part of the FCS playoffs because the SWAC championship game comes after the start of the FCS playoffs. In any event, Florida A and M's got some uh, some personnel coming back. Uh, and is ranked number two, got three first-place votes. Jackson State, I'm not going to sleep uh, on Jackson State this year. Um, number three with the new new head coach, former um, Jackson State quarterback. Um, and, and, you know, because I heard, I, you know, and, and just in talking with me and hearing people talk and people asking, you know, opinions and things of that nature, I, I, you know, people – don't think that Jackson State is going to be as good. But remember, there's still some really good players on that roster. You've got a Jackson State alum uh, that is coming in under the previous regime, so I'm not sleeping on Jackson State. But if I had to say who the favorite would be, I definitely would take Florida A&M this year. A&T at number four. 
uh, followed by Southern at number five. And this is the uh, HBCU coaches poll, which was released on Monday at number six, Prairie View A&M. Number seven uh, was Howard. Uh, and I, I expect Howard to be pretty good this year. Uh, actually, I, I expect Howard to be pretty good this year. Uh, and number seven, which I even if I look at this poll based upon what's coming back, um, you know, I'm, I'm OK with the poll. Um, Alabama State, number eight, um, Old Corn State, number nine, received a first place vote and rounding out the top 10 uh, was Texas Southern. And, you know, with Clarence McKinney there as the head coach, I think Texas Southern has be, has gotten better. Right. We know the offense is there for Texas Southern. We need to see that see it happen on the defensive side of the football. But I think, you know, you're going to have a Texas Southern team that's definitely going to be able to challenge for that Western Division crown in the SWAC, along with Prairie View A&M and Southern Prairie View A&M, the defending champs. Eric Dooley uh, came over from Southern um, to uh, or excuse me, came over from Prairie View A&M to Southern and led that Southern team to the uh, SWAC championship game. Uh, some uh, a valiant effort, I would say, against Jackson State before Jackson State just really just really uh, overtook Southern in that SWAC championship game. So I, I really do think Texas Southern um, is going to be able to contend with both Prairie View A&M and Southern this year. So CIAA at, at its media day announced its predicted order of finish. Overall, you had Fayetteville State, the defending champs at number one. Bowie State was number two. I was a little bit surprised by this. Um, I thought Virginia Union um, should have been number two. Okay, because Jada Byers come, comes back. Jada Byers was fantastic. What did he rush for, like 1,500 yards? Last year he was an HBCU first team All-American but in any event, it was Bowie State number two. I, I I think that's a surprise. That may be some motivation for Virginia Union as if it needs motivation. Now, this is where the thing about Virginia Union. We've seen Virginia Union have quite a bit of eight and two seasons. Another a regular season of eight and two did not make it to the championship game, but was able to make it to the Division two playoffs. So that's motivation, I think, for Virginia Union to win a CIAA championship uh, this year. Shaw uh, at number four, Virginia State at number five, Johnson C. Smith picked to finish number six, Winston-Salem State number seven, Elizabeth City State number eight. Now, remember, Shawan leaves the conference totally. So remember, the last couple of years, Shawan had been only playing football in the CIAA. Shawan totally out, but Bluefield State is in. So you still have 12 teams, Bluefield State. Uh, at number nine, Bluefield State had a had a had a solid season. I mean, I mean it it, it they Bluefield State was a Division two independent, um, played mostly Division NCAA Division two schools, won some games, beat some CIAA schools. As a matter of fact, Lincoln of Pennsylvania at number ten, Livingstone number twelve, and Saint Augustine's rounds out uh, the predicted order of finish. For 2023 in the CIAA. You've got it locked to Box to Row. We're talking some HBCU football currently. I'm your host, Donald Ware. We're going to step aside, take a break. As I mentioned, when we come back. So last week we had a chance to catch up with Caden Carter, WWE wrestler, 
formerly uh, of the 2012 national champion Shaw Bears, uh, had a chance to talk with her. We're going to replay the second part of that conversation when Box to Row returns. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can no matter who you're playing. Michael B. Jordan. And, and, I, and I think it's a testament to, you know, what HBCUs mean to people. You know, and, 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 and having that community and culture and shining a light on the universities, you know what I'm saying, in a real way and creating a pipeline from these kids in high school and making them feel good about wanting to land at HBCU. We have high, you know, high, high talent. Um, and often it's gone and shipped out to other places. It's never poured back into the community. So if we can create an environment that's cool and a beacon of light and people want to feel like they want to be here. And so putting it on a national stage is really big. You know, most of the time these kids don't get televised games. You know what I'm saying? So be able to put them on Turner in a real way was really, really important. Um, and, and, and then the brands and then the sponsors, you know what I'm saying? And getting, you know, the NBA, you know, scouts and looks to come in and hopefully like build this thing bigger. The one and only Stephen A. Smith. It's my sincere hope that when my ride ends, I'll get a big hug and a big thank you for what I tried to do for other people when I was at the top. Because that's all you have to lean on at the end of the day, bro. I mean, I, I plan on being successful for years to come, but it ain't gonna last forever. And, you know, when my day comes, when, when it's the end of the road and it's time for somebody else to be in my seat, in my chair, you know, it's my hope that whoever those, that person or those people are, people that knew I cared about them and believed than them to help them get to this place. Hey, Spike Lee. Thank you. I haven't heard that. I mean, I've been on rails all over the nation. Thank you for that question. I'm a third-generation Morehouse man. I was taught to speak your truth and that there's very special about being a Morehouse man, the same way you feel about your school, the same way we feel all about our respective historic black colleges. That would have been my first choice anyway, and I'm proud to be a Morehouse man. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, just really, you know, excited. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. And, uh, it's a great story, and uh, I'm just having fun, you know, living my dream and riding the ride. The one and only Michael Strahan. Always good to talk to you. Hopefully next time it won't be, what, 14 years you get to you know what is good and, and, and uh, you're encouraging people to be better and do better and, and that's what I love man so thank you I appreciate you As we're joined by the one and only Jerry Rice what do you remember most about those days at Mississippi Valley State what is going on at Mississippi Valley State University <laughs> why are these guys putting up unbelievable numbers and that brought the awareness to the school and after that I got drafted to the San Francisco 49ers Dave Roberts manager of the LA Dodgers to be person of color and be the manager of the Dodgers, what does that mean to you? I think the first thing that comes to me is responsibility. With recency and kind of the social, the racial issues that we're having that really come to light, which is, I believe, are good things. I think that it's a responsibility for me to be the first manager of color for the Dodgers. There's not many of us in baseball. To do things the right way, to hopefully give other people of color opportunity. Hopefully it just paves the way. So I think that for me, I, I definitely look at it as responsibility, but something I'm willing to undertake. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me, play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. You know, football league has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have 
grown a division one. NBA All-Star Chris Paul. That was great to bring it back to Winston-Salem State University, a uh, black college. Something that my city had never seen before, may never see again. And just having a up-close and personal feeling with LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Melo. It was exciting. I'm grateful for those guys coming out. Kyrie Irving. Playing at Duke for Coach K. What was that like and how that prepared you for the league now? Playing 11 games, you know, a lot of people think that's not a you know, big package for you to become a better player, but for me it was. Playing for Coach K, he gave me the keys to, to the car and I was driving it in first eight games and you know, being a part of something special like that and having the brotherhood built at an institution such as that one is an experience that you never forget. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey man, thanks for letting me talk a little music movies and sports hey my favorite three topics hey y'all it is the est of wwe the strongest the fastest the roughest the toughest the quickest the greatest the best on box to row from the press box to press row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of hbcu sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment check the show out online at box that's from the press box to press row real relevant radio Welcome back to Box to Row. If you want to participate here on the conversation, hit us up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Follow us while you're there. Also on my personal Twitter account, at dware one at dware one Well, if you listened to the program on last week, we had a chance to catch up with Caden Carter. She's one half uh, of the tag team, along with her tag team partner, um, Katana Chance. And they are in WWE. They were one-time NXT Women's Champions. Uh, they were drafted in the um, in the uh, WWE draft, which took place several months ago. They've had a couple of matches in WWE um, as a tag team. And, uh, and listen, I, I'm going to tell you what. Like, I'm a big fan uh, of, 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 uh, really of HB of, um, excuse me, of, of wrestling. I'm a big fan of WWE. Um, but one of the things th- that I thought was interesting, there've only been a handful of HBCU alums, um, that are W that have participated in WWE. You've got one currently right now, Omos, uh, who is also part of raw. Omos played basketball. As a matter of fact, at Morgan state, um, then let's go back. Let's go back to Junkyard Dog. I mean, if you if you know WWF or WWE, um, you know Junkyard Dog. Um, junk, junkyard Dog is, is an alum. Well, is, well, he's passed on. Is an alum of Fayetteville State, right? So you know you've got quite a few Virgil. Those that remember Virgil with Ted DiBiase, you know, back in the day, Virgil um, was a was an alum. Uh, or or is I should say is an alum uh, of Virginia Union, right? So you've got a couple of of uh, wrestlers over time that are HBCU alums, and Caden Carter, you know, certainly falls really into that category. It's a couple of others um, that are escaping me that are HBCU alums that I want to tell you about um, as well, particularly for those um, that grew up watching wrestling. You know, certainly. Uh, back in the day, I think wrestling is 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 absolutely fantastic currently, um, but it was something else to behold, you know, certainly back in the day as well. Let me give you some other names. Of course, Ernie Big Cat Lad uh, right now. When you think about Ernie Big Cat Lad, um, 
He played football at Grambling, right? Um, was playing in the league and then ultimately got hurt, ultimately became a professional wrestler. Um, Charmel, I know all of you remember Charmel, the uh, wife of Booker T. She's a Spellman graduate, right? Those that may remember Ahmed Johnson, a Huston Tittleson alum. So we've had some, some, uh, some wrestlers over the years that are HBCU alums. Caden Carter, no different. And again, this is part two of the conversation with Caden Carter. Yeah, that's awesome. I would love to do some stuff like that and work with them because I feel like I feel like people don't realize like if this is like deeper into the story. I can't like not that I can't say it on the radio or anything with you. It's just like the backstory of it is so hard because growing up in Winter Park, I don't know if you know what that's like in Winter Park. You know what I'm saying? I didn't. It was predominantly white. OK, and I didn't know that HBCUs existed when I got there, you know, and when I went there, it was a little bit of a culture shock. And it was it was hard to adjust for me because people didn't treat me nicely because they're like, why do you talk like that? Why do you dress like that? Like, why do you do this? You know what I'm saying? And I think that like it, being at um, at Shaw, when we started to have Black History Month, things started not to get to me, but like it started to affect me because the first year I felt like people didn't know what I was. And so I got left out. And so then the next year I got included in Black History Month for the first time and was able to talk about a lot of stuff. And then it started to like, like, you know, be a bit like something that was very powerful to be that, you know, started with the years, you know, moving forward because it was like, damn, like you don't really notice because like when, when I, when I was here, you're like oblivious to stuff, right? Like you don't know that the world is going, how the world is going or like what people are going through until you actually go through it yourself. And I never realized how bad it was but good at the same time, you know what I'm saying? So like, it's like deeper stories like that, that I, that I would love that people can get into eventually with stories that start off how we had this conversation first, you know what I'm saying? And that's why I love just always talking about it because there's just so many layers to it. And I feel like people would understand that from me, you know, like they would, they would really resonate with those stories because it happens where people don't really realize you know, that that's what goes on. Sometimes people are blindsided, especially how you grew up, you know? So it, it it's very humbling and, and awesome to see, you know, the support from like where I, like where I didn't even know, you know? And then I had to like learn about it myself, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's why I, I think it's awesome and really cool because it's been, it's been a fun journey, you know, um, getting to like really sit back and think about all those things. Like when you're asking like, how did, you know, that shape you? Um, it's it shaped me because like I was always on the defense. I was always having to like defend what I, I wasn't comfortable with myself. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because of how people perceived me. You know, like I wasn't taken in with open arms because obviously I talk very proper. I love country music. I love heavy rock music. I don't dress typical the same people. You know, like to the people that are there. And like again, it was a culture shock. I came from Winter Park. You know, it's predominantly white. It it's a very rich school, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's one of those kind of things, how I grew up, not, but just being blinded, you know what I'm saying? Not because I was that way. I just didn't see, in my head, I didn't see, not color, but like, I, I just, it wasn't something that had affected me yet, you I know what you. I'm saying? Yeah. Or that you don't realize that happens until you go out into the world. Because keep in mind, I've never left Florida. Like I left it one time for, for to, to Rochester. And then my second time was in North Carolina. So wow. like, it was, it was a lot for me. I felt like I had been in this like little cubby because I never left Winter Park. You know, I didn't really go anywhere. However people see you, you should never be ashamed of it. 
Well, I think you're doing a good job of it now. So when did you when did you feel like your teammates embraced you? When do you feel like that or did that actually happen while you were? It was it was it was rough because we are te- like we got along and we did it. I, I don't know if that's how every team functioned, but we there was a lot of times where we could just like not stand each other. You know what I'm saying? And then there was times where it was like we worked together so well. I think, you know, coming down into the into the um, what was it called into regionals? I think that's where it really kicked in for us. Like, yeah, CIAA was really rough, but it doesn't hit you until like you're in regionals and like nothing else matters at that point. I think there was like zero beef or any talk of anything. Um when the regionals happen because it's real you're on a journey you're trying to everyone's trying to accomplish the same thing and everything else was petty at that time so like we ended up like just bonding and putting our business outside you know what i'm saying regardless of what um but does everyone always get along on teams no you know i, I was fortunate enough to have a best friend uh spence was my best friend there you know what i'm saying so we were like we were each other's rocks when we were there because we felt the same way about a lot of things you know um but i i like i said i just i it's hard because I never ever truly felt like I belonged at, like in those situations, not like not on the team, but like me as a person, you know what I'm saying? Which, but we separate that. Like, that's what I was talking about. Like is being able to, to, to have to deal with stuff like that, but you got to put it on the side when you're on the court, you know what I'm saying? Cause nothing else matters, but the goals that you're chasing, you know? And that's what I learned to do there is to really have a strong mentality and like, just to know that. Cause like, obviously in this business as well, you have to deal with people hating on you, not liking what you do, not supporting what you do. That's always going to come. And, you know, but that was my first time, like, truly, like, dealing with it. But learning how to cope with that and, like, to, to move on is, like, what helps now is because anyone can think what they want, but I love myself <laughs> and I love what I do, you know, and that's not going to change anything. And no one can change that, you know, because I'm, I'm very confident in myself now. No, that's, I was going to say, you know, no, yeah, you definitely, you definitely are. So that's great. Well, I mean, it seems like everything is kind of going pretty well for you and you're, you're happy. You seem extremely happy and excited. You say, you don't, what is, is, it, is that part of the reason you don't sleep because of you're just so excited <laughs> to, you know, what, what you do? I don't know. I feel, I just like, I just, I want so much, you know what I'm saying? It's like you, I've lived it in, in firsthand, like witness, like what it's like, you know, like being at Shaw where people just doubt you and don't believe in you, like say as a team, like I told you, like a Cinderella story, right? And knowing like how hard, and if you put that work in, like how far you can go. And that's the same here is this like, I want all that in this life, you know what I'm saying? I want to, I want to create my own legacy. Everyone does, you know what I'm saying? And I want to continue everything that I can to do it. And, you know, maybe that is why I don't sleep this because I'm anxious for the next day to come. You know what I'm saying? Because I want more. I want to do more. Like, I want to, like, you know, become more successful. Like, when I got into NXT, that wasn't just enough. When I was the women's champion or the NXT women's uh, tag team champion, that wasn't enough. Like, I want more and more, you know what I'm saying? Because you want to be the best you can possibly be there. Um, And... And that's something I truly want. Like I told you before, I fell in love with it. And, you know, I want to see how far, like, my potential grows. You know, that's just, like, a dream for me. You know, like I said, this is still feeling surreal. But I still want to push myself. And I don't want to ever feel just, too, like, comfortable and happy. Like, I just want to do so many things, you know? Yeah, no, no, that, that, I mean, that's a great way to put it. So, Caden Carter joins us here on 
the program, one half of the former NXT Women's Tag Team Champions, along with Katana Chance, now, of course, in WWE in the Raw brand. As a matter of fact, check her out. Would they ever think about doing anything from like an H, you know, in an HBCU people support, right? Would they ever think about doing anything from that vantage point or angle? Um, They could. Like, Bianca, would I say she is like such like the representation of everything that has to do with like black history and just things like in that nature. It's like, you know, I feel like she does a good job already incorporating it and like whenever I've reached out to her to like, you know, ask her to, like, to be included in something, she's very open and she puts things together. Like one time we had like a shoot that was awesome. It was amazing with all of the girls. She got them all together and she does a lot. And that to me is just like super awesome. So I feel like they're never opposed to that because she, like I said, she is very, very big in, in, into having as much eyes on that in HBCUs and Black History Month and all that stuff. So I feel like that's never something that they wouldn't do, you know? Um, I think we got everything. Like I like I said, I just I feel like it, you know, it just it's just so to me when it's like comes to talking about stuff, there's so much that like we had to go through. Like a lot of people don't know my other journey. Well some people do, but some people don't. It's like before I got to WWE, I've I, like I I got denied, you know what I'm saying? I got hired and then I got denied because, you know, uh, I had my knee surgeries and they didn't, and my leg didn't get straightened. And I feel like that's something that we covered. That was another journey. So again, Caden Carter uh, joining us, part two of our conversation from last week with Caden Carter. And uh, she really laid out some things for you there. If you want to respond to anything that Caden Carter had to say, Hit us up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on my personal Twitter account, at DWare1, at DWare1. If you missed that conversation, you can watch it on the BoxToRow YouTube page in its entirety. You can also uh, watch it at BoxToRow.com. Up next here on BoxToRow, as promised, you're going to hear from the head football coach, of North Carolina Central, Trey Oliver. You're going to hear from the head football coach of Fayetteville State, Richard Hayes, and you're going to hear from the head football coach of North Carolina A&T, Vincent Brown. The old renaissance is the new renaissance, standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company, uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. All Weaver Street Markets. Harris Teeter. Food Lion. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, and Barica Soul. Are you worried about your taxes? Okay, so I'm talking to those of you out there that have not filed in a few years with the IRS or state. It's time to get worried, and here's why. The IRS is getting back from their own COVID lockdown, and they're hiring more enforcers, and they're going to come after people that owe taxes. So if you're a 1099 worker, and maybe you just plain forgot to file your taxes, you need to call the professionals right now at the tax helpline. They are experts at knowing the tax regulations 
Communications, and their goal is to help you pay as little as possible. Call right now and get a 100% free tax evaluation. Remember, before the IRS knocks on your door, knock on our door. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, make this free call right now. Call taxes 321 now at 800-797-0891. 800-797-0891. That's 800-797-0891. It's Donald Ware from the press box to press row. Thank you for joining me on another edition of Box to Row. In the last segment, or part two of our interview with WWE wrestler. Caden Carter, formerly known as Lacey Lane, back during her Shaw University women's basketball days, part of that 2012 uh, Shaw Lady Bear National Championship team. Also, we've been talking quite a bit of HBCU football here on the program, and that conversation is going to continue. So, up first, North Carolina Central head football coach Trey Oliver. Again, had a chance to catch up with him Last Saturday at the Box to Row, the six Box to Row countdown to kickoff, talk with him about a number uh, of different items, uh, including, and, and he'll talk about it, his thoughts on the transfer portal. When I say that to you, you took over this job in 2019, missed a year in 2020 because of COVID, and now... The Eagles, HBCU national champions, what does that mean to you? That's what it's all about. That's why they brought me here to win a championship. So it was, it was a process. You know, we struggled in 19, and uh, we saw some growth. But, uh, you know, for me to be an alum and, and for us to be able to win a national championship, um, that, that means a lot. I've been on a lot of successful teams, but when you're the head coach, uh, when you're the head football coach and, and you're the, you got your name on it, that, that hits a little bit different. The fake punt. Speak to that. That was that was really a turning point and a huge play in that football game. Right. We came out in the third quarter and uh, we were down. Uh, they stopped us in our first possession and we were backed up. Uh, I believe on the minus twenty-eight. And of course, nobody's expecting you to fake a punt on the minus twenty-eight. But you know, uh, <laughs> you got to put the money. You got to put the chips in. But, you know, it was something we had practiced all year long, and we, we knew it was going to be there. And, you know, it's just about calling it. you got to have some, some guts, I guess you can say. I can say guts to call that play. I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> Did you expect to, to be this program to be where it is four years? Well, now you're going into your fifth season, but four years in. Did you expect it to be where it is? I knew we could be here if we had the backing from the administration. You know, you have to have good players, you have to have really good coaches, but the administration has to support the athletic program and football program for you to have a chance. And um, our chancellor and, and um, our athletic director, Dr. Perkins, have done an outstanding job with supporting us and giving us what we need to be successful. So, uh, yeah, we're on, we're, on, we're on track. North Carolina Central head football coach Trey Oliver joining us here on the countdown to kick off. I got to talk about this kid, uh, Davius Richard, your quarterback. I remember him going back to his true freshman year, 2019. He was he was like what third string, maybe fourth string, 
And, you know, watching him play, I was like, man, this guy's going to be really good. And it manifested itself this year and specifically in the Celebration Bowl because everybody else was talking about the other quarterback for Jackson State. Not anybody, people weren't talking about Davius Richard, but he really came to play. Speak to how well he's played, not just last year, but how he's grown in the program. Well, he's, he's been very consistent, a uh, great young man. And you see him develop every week, uh, every year. You see him just get a lot better. And um, I said midseason, he's the best quarterback in black college. Now, I said he probably is not going to get the, the MVP because he's not, he's not going to have the numbers. You know, when we get up three scores in the fourth quarter, I'm pulling my quarterback. We're not trying to embarrass anybody, blow, you know, run the score up. And secondly, you know, you have to give your backup quarterback some quality reps. So, you know, he don't eat probably five games he didn't play in the fourth quarter this this year so that kind of killed his numbers uh but next year we're gonna let him go and then any your thoughts on you lost a guy or two to the transfer portal i think this year so a big, couple of big guys actually um as a matter of fact but kind of kind of i want to get your thoughts on the transfer portal as a whole and where it is in college football the transfer portal and nil have destroyed college football um, I don't believe in the transfer portal. I, uh, we built our, our our team right now with high school student athletes. You know, if you look at our roster, whether it's the quarterback Richard, uh, all conference, all uh, all American, KB, all these guys are high school players. Torcelli Simpkins, our best players are high school players. So I really don't mess with the transfer portal. Um, a lot of them guys in there can't play. So I like to go recruit high school young men that want to come North Carolina Central, buy into the program. And let's go from there. Now that we have the program, you know, the foundation set, we can go out here and take one or two. Uh, you know, because sometimes you might lose a guy. You have to get somebody in late. But I, I don't. I don't like the transfer portal. I think it gives young men op opportunity to, to run away from competition, and rather than you know really compete. So. Well, what do you say to a guy when he says, "I'm going in"? Like you've had some guys that are going into the portal. God bless you. I lost my one of my best offensive linemen yes. to the University of Maryland. He had, a, I think, he signed for about seventy thousand dollars NIL deal. So it's hard to tell a twenty-one year old kid not to take seventy thousand dollars. But if you go to NFL, you get drafted. Seventy thousand dollars is not much money. But treat him right. That's all you can do. So that North Carolina Central head football coach Trey Oliver, as he joined us last week at the countdown to kick off. So as we know. The Eagles defending HBCU national champions. Now we're going to go to another championship coach uh, and one that actually knows about HBCU uh, national championships, uh, and that is Richard Hayes, uh, the head football coach at Fayetteville State. Uh, he knows about those national, the HBCU national championships during his playing days and coaching days at North Carolina A&T. Well, I had a chance to catch up with him. And by the way, I, I, I forgot to ask him or mention this um, to him. And generally when he comes on the program, I do because, you know, this when you're talking about Richard Hayes, this is a coach that has paid his dues. You talk about paying dues. You're talking about a guy that was part of Bill Hayes, his uncle's um, uh, coaching staff. Uh, when A&T won the HBCU National Championship in 1999, had um, been on some staffs, was out of coaching, was out of coaching for some time, um, then uh, was uh, went to Winston-Salem State, uh, coached there, did a good job as the, uh, D, uh, as the D coordinator, and now what eighth, this is his eighth season upcoming 
at Fayetteville State immediately turned that program around. Uh, Fayetteville State went to five straight CIAA championship games before winning the championship um, on last year, or as a matter of fact. And again, had a chance to catch up with Richard Hayes during the countdown to kickoff. Championship. Well, as you stated earlier, it had been four years in a row that we had went to Salem and um, fell a little short. Uh, but this time I knew the guys were determined. It came down to the wire, but it was truly a 60-minute battle, and we came out on top, won the championship. And then the season, just talk about the season as a whole, 9-3, and 7-1 and one overall in the CIAA. Season started off a little slow for us. Um, we had a lot of preseason accolades, but I knew we were a little young football team. Um, and we had a couple of experienced quarterbacks. Uh, we started out the season two and two, and uh, Coach Fagans at the time was the offensive coordinator. Those guys wanted to uh, make a change at quarterback. Uh, so we went with a freshman quarterback, Damari Daniels, um, and, and a rot rotating Caden Davis behind him, another redshirt freshman. And those two kids carried us for the remainder of the season on to the CLAA championship. So those are some thoughts from, from Richard Hayes, the head football coach, of Fayetteville State. Finally, Vincent Brown, the new head football coach at North Carolina and again had a chance to catch up with him last week during the countdown to kickoff as well. He's a Bill Parcells disciple. Bill Parcells uh, coached him at in New England when he was with the Patriots. He was a three-time All-Pro performer and then he was an assistant under Bill Parcells uh, in 2006 with the Dallas Cowboys, but I asked him, uh, Coach Brown, a couple of things, uh, one of which, you know, I asked him if you had to choose a starting quarterback, he's got three that played last year that all came back, who would be your starting quarterback? And this is how he responded. Oh, great question. Uh, one of those three, plus maybe one of the, the freshmen. <laughs> <laughs> would, would speak to what each brings to the table. I mean, they all bring something different. Either either three of them could be your starter. Either either one. They're all very talented. They all have a very slightly different skill set. And as we craft the offense, we'll build the offense around the talents of our players always. And so Zach Yeager, Eli Brickhandler, Austin Hooker, all very talented young men. And there's no rule that says we only have to play one. So we'll, we'll see if someone separates themselves from the other two and go from there. Is that, I mean, I know you've been, you know, sort of a defensive guy uh, throughout the course of your career, but I mean, so you're open to having sort of maybe a, a two or maybe more quarterback system. I, I've seen firsthand the challenges that it can create for a defensive coordinator, especially when the players have very different skill sets. And so we just want to make sure we're putting the best players the most dependable players in position to do what their God-given talents allow them to do to give us the best chance to win. So again, Vincent Brown, the head football coach, a North Carolina A&T, joining us last week on the countdown to kickoff. Listen, as a reminder, the HBCU Football Daily Podcast returns for Season 7 on Monday. You can check it out at BoxToRow.com, iHeartMedia.com as well. You can also watch on the Box to Row YouTube page. And don't forget to tell a couple of friends about the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. We've got you covered Monday through Friday. All things 
HBCU football on the HBCU football daily podcast. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. For more information on Box to Row, you can log on to our website, BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support you. Box to Row is produced by DW Communications. Time for this show to drop the lid. That'll do it for this week's From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. Join us again next week for an in-depth look at historically black college athletics and the biggest news stories of the day.